have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod. Shaman Chandran here with you, joined by Yash Joshi and Rohan Naranjan on yet another NBA podcast. Today, we're back into the season a little bit, a little bit more, of course. This will be the third or fourth week that we are doing this, and Steph Curry is clearly still the best player in basketball, but we will get around to that in just a little bit because I know Rohan and Yash, and as well as me, are definitely dying and itching to talk about that for sure. But before we do get into that, there is a new number one seed in the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat as they are, I believe, 11 and four in the Eastern Conference right now. 11, 11 and 11 five. five. Yeah. yeah, my apologies. 11 and five, the one four straight. And, you know, me and Rohan last podcast, I believe we were talking about how Jimmy Butler is looking kind of like this MVP candidate. Don't get me wrong. It's not that he still doesn't. It's just that there are other players out there that are playing far better than him with far better records as well. But the Nets are also equally 11 and five. The Bulls and the Wizards are each 10 and five, and they're just half a game behind this number one seed. And I believe Yash was talking earlier, right before we were recording this podcast about how the Eastern Conference is just so jam-packed and close. So I'm just going to kick it off to him over here. Yeah, I mean, as Sean mentioned, last week we were talking about the East. The Wizards were the number one seed, and one week later they've been bumped down to the number four seed. But like Sean just mentioned, they're only a half game back from the number one. So I'm I'm 100% sure when we have this episode next week, we're going to have a new number one in the Eastern Conference just because of the way the conference is set up. They're so close. These teams are all very, very good. I mean, the Heat, the Nets, the Bulls are the Wizards. They're, they're showing us they can be a competent team. I, I I still don't think any of us fully believe in them on the level of the of the other three. But talking about the Heat just a little bit, they were the seventh seed, I think, last week when we did this. And now they've jumped up with a four-game winning streak to the top of the Eastern Conference. You know, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, he's looked like an MIP candidate because he's just played so well this season, averaging 21 points per game. And Bam Adebayo, I think he's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. He was talking to Dwayne Wade after last night's win, hopefully getting some tips and tricks about how to make sure that Miami that Miami Heat team can return to the finals since 2020, I think they were in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Heat have won four in a row. So I think the last time we talked, uh, they had a tough loss to the Clippers. But they've really bounced back from that, obviously beating teams like the Pelicans, the Thunder, who should be like gimmies, but then also, you know, beating the Wizards, who are one of the best teams in the league uh, right now. You know, a surprising start from them. But I just, you know, just echoing you guys, like Jimmy Butler against the Wizards had 32 points. When was this? This was yesterday. And, you know, Bam is still looking great. I think obviously, obviously like the emergence of Tyler Hero is a big story for the Heat this year. I think that if he can really continue his level of play, like I think he's averaging about 23, 24 points right now. And I think if he can keep that up, like the Heat are a serious contender to knock off, you know, maybe teams like the Warriors, like in the finals, if they meet. And I think that the Heat team can easily make a run to the, at least the conference finals. Um, and this play with of Tyler Hero has just been astounding so far. And, you know, he was he was a sixth man of the year candidate. He was a most improved player of the year candidate. And he's he's pushing all that so far, so far right now. So good to see. And I think the heat will continue rolling through the most part. I mean, it's, it's early, but I, I picked them as a three seed and I'm still backing that. So you're telling me that if Miami hypothetically makes a run to the NBA finals and they 
were to clash with your Golden State Warriors, that they would stand a chance? I think they would because they're just so strong defensively. Obviously, they don't have like the offensive juggernauts like that the Warriors do. Like, you know, obviously with Steph, Clay, you know, even Andrew Wiggins. I think that these are they're, those are guys are prolific scorers. Um, and I think, but I think, you know, getting Kyle Lowry was a big acquisition. I said this before in our preseason podcast. And I think honestly, if Tyler Hero can like play like this, like if he averages 20 points in the series, there's no reason why they can't compete with any of the teams in the league right now. They're just so hot and, you know, they've been rolling. So I don't see why not. Interesting. I mean, personally, just to kind of push that, like the Miami Heat are the sixth rated defense in the league, but Mm -hmm. unlike the Warriors, they're a very, very different team that their pace is 25th. So they play really slow and the Warriors play really fast. So if this team was to match up with the Warriors, it would just the matchup would be won by whichever team was able to dictate the way they play. So if the Warriors are running up and down the floor, they would probably win. But if the Heat can take it into a half court set, slow the game down, post up, bam, then the Warriors would have a lot more trouble. Interesting. I mean, personally for me, like, I mean, just off the top of my head, I would just say like the Bulls definitely look like more of a threat to the Warriors or even the Nets. Granted that they, the Warriors did beat both of those teams by 44 points in the span of believe back-to-back games, I think it was, or like within the five-day span. But basically for the most part, you know, the top four seeds are pretty jam-packed over there uh, in the East. The Hornets have also seen a similar resurgence, you could say, with a four-game win streak equivalent to the Miami Heat, but they are the fifth seed, so they're a little bit behind uh, all this. That's where the drop-off is, and the Sixers are there, but number seven, the New York Knicks. That's a team that I definitely wanted to highlight. They're looking very, very, very ugly. I know they've only lost one game, but they're four and six, in the last 10 games and they just they literally just look absolutely ugly i was looking at some of these stats that they've had in the last couple of games and i believe julius randall who was last year's most approved player of the year and you know basically the savior of the next franchise over the past season he is has a plus minus of minus 68 in the last five games and that is the worst on the Knicks. and his averages in those in that span is 3.4 assists per game, 3.6 turnovers per game, and he's shooting 38.3% from the field and 36.8% from three, which isn't bad, but still, I mean, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on down the stretch. Yeah, this team is, it's they're showing us that maybe last year's run to the fourth seed in the East was probably a fluke. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league last year, and they're not showing us that at all this year. And some of it may have to do with the fact that they got Evan Fournier, they got Kemba Walker, who both are not at all defensive beasts. They're more helpful on the offensive side, so they've definitely picked it up on the offensive side of the ball, but at the expense of their defense. And now that they're mediocre at both, it's, it really hurts the team that they're not able to excel in one way or the other. And it just shows that if the Knicks really want to compete with the likes of the top teams in the East, and maybe even have a chance to go to like Eastern semis, or maybe the Eastern conference finals, they're going to have to pick up their defense or their offense to make it really what this team is all about. And then stick to that. Like Sean just talked about Julius Randall has not been great. RJ Barrett started the season very well, but he's cooled down a little bit as well. And 
Derrick Rose has been the brightest spot for the New York Knicks, and he's 33 years old. So all these young players on the Knicks, like Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, they got to step up their game and make sure that this entire team is like a cohesive unit. But right now, they're just not showing that, and that's why they've been four and six in the last 10 games. And unless they can pick it up, I could absolutely see them just sticking in kind of this play-in area, and that's probably where they'll end the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we... I think we all had the Knicks finishing towards the bottom of, you know, the first eight seeds in the East. I think I had them as like a seven or eight seed as well. So this is kind of where I thought they would be, but it's just the way that they're struggling is what's concerning. I think if you're a Knicks fan, like, you know, you've had all these high draft picks in the last couple of years and they really haven't come to, um, you know, fruition. And I think like guys like, like, just like Josh said, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, who I'm pretty big on, like, Obi top and like these guys all need to pick up their game even like Mitchell Robinson is a very phenomenal like defensive threat he's one of the best rebounders and blockers in the league as a center he's like one of those traditional old school centers but he's still very good at it I think that all of that combined just hasn't come together as a team um obviously Kemba has is a very on and off player we know that like I think he just hasn't been the same player that he was back in Charlotte ever since those you know a couple of knee injuries that he had on in Boston um, but I don't know if you guys saw the game yesterday with between the Magic and the Knicks, and I was just watching towards the end of it because it was a close game. They were up by two with about a minute 30 left, and then the Magic went on an 8-0 run, and they ended up winning 104-98. Uh, and it was just the way that they went on that run was just dumb, sloppy turnovers from the Knicks. They couldn't inbound the ball. You know, Derrick Rose was throwing the ball over the place. RJ Baird had a couple turnovers. Within, like, uh, I think a minute 45 seconds span, they had about four turnovers towards the end of the game, which is already unacceptable regardless of what time in the game it is. But towards the end of the game, you just can't do that. Like late game uh, execution is the most important thing for like, you know, up and coming teams, especially. And that Tom Thibodeau really needs to just look the team in the eye and be like, you know, that can't happen, especially as a very poor magic team. So that's, that's what really concerned me, honestly. This is how you know Rohan's a real basketball fan. He's watching Magic's versus Knicks games. It's not, hey, no, it's not that. It's not that. I was, about to, I was about to jump in and say that too, but he had to defend himself. He had to be like, no, no, because it was a close game, that's why I was watching it. So hey, I caught it was a close He said game, he watched though. the end. He said he watched yeah. the end, but yes. still, it, they're, they're Magic games. I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched a minute of Magic basketball this season. Bro, we have, we have NBA League Pass in my apartment, and I think that it shows you when you know the games are kind of close like it has a score so i was like yo mm-hmm. this is kind of a good game like why not i have nothing else to do like done with midterms for the week like it, and then i was just astounded at the way they lost because i was like yo the knicks should easily win this bro like and it was just it was just ugly you guys got to watch it i'll send you a clip later. yeah no i mean i'll definitely watch it a I minute mean, if you could just drop the login on this i would Totally appreciate that, but <laughs> maybe we can get the viewership hey, up on bro. these pods if I say, guys, Rohan has dropped his login for NBA. Maybe, bro. Hey. But, um, you know, get it, getting back to what Yash was saying about, you know, Evan Fournier and, you know, Kemba Walker, these two guys, huge free agent signings. And I still remember it was the season opener against the Celtics where they went to double overtime and they had this like crazy game. And like, it was like, wow. Like, the Knicks are legit, you know? Like, they're like, wow. Like, Evan Fournier was just hitting almost every three down the stretch. Kemba Walker was just running down the court, spacing out the floor, doing doing what he does best. But in the last five games for Kemba Walker, sorry, last seven games for Kemba Walker, he's averaging nine points per game, shooting 38% from the field, 22% from three, and he's played a total of 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. And he was also benched the entire fourth quarter in five of those seven games. 
And going to Evan Fournier, in his last seven games, he's averaging seven points per game, shooting 37% from the field, 23% from three. He's played five total minutes in the fourth, and he's been benched the entire fourth quarter in six of those seven games. So if I'm if I'm the Knicks, like within the locker room or whatever it is, even a beat reporter on the staff per se, I want answers. I want to know what is going on. Like the number one thing that I think basketball players go through, like is you know, this confidence, you know what I'm saying? Like if they hit this cold streak, they sometimes just can't, can't get back into rhythm. And I think it was, it was Serge Ibaka saying something like this two days ago. I don't know if you guys saw that. He was saying that, you know, the Kevin Durant, the Steph Curry's, LeBron James of basketball, they can, they can get injured, but they can come back and they're going to be good to go, you know? And regardless of how bad they play, they're going to get those minutes to prove that they are still that player, you know? All of a sudden, when you guys have like when you have guys like Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, not to say that they are bad, but they definitely are in the average tier of players. But when you're on the Knicks and you're having Julius Randle on the floor with a minus 68 in the last five games, and you're telling me Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier can't play a single minute in the fourth quarter, like I mean, that's that that's just absolutely ridiculous. And I don't like the way or the direction this team is going in right now because compared to compared to other sports you know basketball it's a long season the way you can really tell if a team is doing good or not is just looking at their 10 game split so i need to look at this team over the next month and the next month is not looking very nice after that if they can turn the corner in hopefully the next five games or something we got something to talk about then i just think that maybe like obviously this is just me speculating but maybe the reason that they're not having these Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker's play in the fourth is because they want their young players to be getting experience and maybe the Knicks are just all in in the Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson. They have a lot of young talent on this team and that's a big reason why they made a playoff push last year and obviously some of these players aren't playing to their capabilities so maybe you just stick them out there in the fourth and these are the growing pains that you have to go through as a young team. There's going to be goods and there's going to be bads and you just got to fight off the bad times so you can get to the good times and as a Knicks fan if if that's the if that's the direction this team is headed in you're just gonna have to suffer through the kind of troughs of your team and then eventually you'll probably hit a peak in the next few weeks or months hopefully as if Knicks fans haven't been through enough already through the years hey, here's they Josh made, they, made, they, they made the playoffs yourself. last year they made the playoffs last year I'm not I don't feel bad yeah, for them but, anymore eh, it's, it's short-lived though it's short-lived yeah, I mean, Nick basketball has just been a struggle, honestly, ever since Ewing has left the franchise. It's just been, honestly, pretty much downhill for the team. They haven't won a championship in, what, like, 40 years. It's been, it's been a minute. But, I mean, I don't know, Yash. Like, it's like, I'm kind of on Chom's side here. Like, is it, it's kind of unfair to, like, be like, yo, you guys need to wait for another rebuild. Because I feel like they've been waiting for so long. Like, Nick's basketball is just full of disappointment. You know, ever since the last 10 years, I can remember, they've just been disappointing him ever, ever since Melo has, like, you know, left New York. It's just been... Complete disappointment, but I think there's too much young talent on the team for them to be this bad. And, you know, I mean, I, this is where I projected them, but I just think that the way they're losing is just not reminiscent of a Thibodeau coach team. I think there's something up with Thibodeau right now. No, definitely. And of course, you know, getting now to the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but here we are back again, probably going to be talking a little bit about Matt Simmons right now because there has been a little bit couple new developments on that front where they have apparently discussed a deal with the Pistons centered around Jeremy Grant but that's not even really something that I'm looking too much into I'm keeping an eye on Daryl Morey 
who's still has his hopes that he can get James Harden. I don't know if that's going to happen, but apparently they're fine keeping Ben Simmons for the foreseeable future, meaning heading into the offseason and then trying to orchestrate a sign and trade for James Harden. So I don't know. I would James Harden leave the Nets though. I'm, I'm just kind of that's yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. Okay, well, it's it's the same thing though. It's like it's a why would Kevin Durant ever leave the Warriors? Do you get what well, I'm saying? I, mean, I, I know why Kevin Durant left the Warriors because he didn't like There's, the yeah. fact that everyone yeah. hated on him, criticized him. That's but true. James that's Harden true. on the Nets, he has, you know, you can argue who's number one, who's number two, but he has a top two player in the world right now. He has the Kyrie Irving sitting on the sidelines. He has a pretty good team. I know they're not like performing to their full capabilities, but you can't argue that the Nets aren't a top three to five team in the league right now. And I mean, sure, he might be the old James Harden again on the 76ers, but as good as he has it right now in the Nets, I think that there's really no more hope for James Harden and Ben Simmons. They, they had the opportunity last year and they fumbled the bag. I mean, they didn't want to give up Tyrese Maxey. And obviously it's not looking like a bad decision right now because he's playing pretty well, but it's, I think it's time that they, you know, move their eyes forward to the next prize trade Ben Simmons. I've, I've said this maybe a thousand times at this point. Like Jeremy Grant, are we are we really talking about Ben Simmons for Jeremy Grant? Like that seems like that you're just giving him away for like a really glorified starter, not even an well, all-star. It will, but it will, it will be, it's probably gonna be including Jeremy Grant, possibly another forward, a young player, and a draft pick. Unless it's just a matter of Cade? Unless that forward is Cade, yeah. Unless it's Cade. Oh hell no. I I I don't see that's not happening, getting yeah. anything in value back. And the Pistons aren't trading Cade. Yeah. I mean this happening. this I think it kind of shows like how low the talks have gone. I mean, no disrespect to Jeremy Grant. I think he's a fine NBA player, but like Ben Simmons' potential is way higher than Jeremy Grant. We we know this. Like he's a much better player for sure. And I think that at this point, like they've just really been looking around the league like how how high can we go? This is what it's come to because I feel like, you know, we, we heard a request for Dame, you know, it was just like, there's a lot of big requests that Daryl Moy looked out for in the offseason and no one really wanted to give up anything for Ben Simmons. I think that now he's just kind of sniffing around like to see what else he can get. But I mean, again, there's another report that Ben Simmons now again wants to be like off the team, bro. Like this, this shit just never ends, dude. It's like, I don't know how more, how much more stubborn Daryl Moore is going to be, but like, it's tiring as an NBA fan here. Cause I just want the move to be done. Like, I really just want to move on from this mess. We don't need to hear about it again. Like I just want a new start, you know, for Ben Simmons, a new start for the Sixers. Like, can we just have that? So, you know, the NBA doesn't need to keep constantly worrying about it. But to, in regards to the Harden thing, like, he hasn't signed an extension yet, and he said that he would, but, you know, so many stars have said that and have dipped out. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to reunite with Daryl Morey, maybe team up with Joel Embiid. But, like, like Yash said, like, why would you want to leave Kevin Durant and Kyrie? It's just, I mean, it's just very questionable. No, most certainly. And I think the thing about James Harden is that I feel like he's he's tired, if that kind of makes sense, in terms of, like, he did so much to get out of Houston. I don't think he wants to go through some other – you know, ugly breakup per se, when quite frankly, there's really nothing wrong in Brooklyn that we know of, you know, of course, all teams have things that are said behind closed doors, but there's a reason there's nothing wrong with the team. There's still second. I mean, except for the fact that Kyrie Irving isn't playing. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's not, I don't think that's a Kevin Durant and James Harden issue. That's more of a, you know, team NBA PA issue per se, because of the whole COVID vaccine stuff going on. 
but from what I've heard and what James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant keeps saying, they're like, you know, oh, we got Kyrie's back. He's our brother, this and that. So I guess they're just going out, got their way to reiterate that they're still on the team. They're still committed to whatever Kyrie wants to do as well. But real quick on Ben Simmons as well. One thing that honestly I found very satirical is that Philadelphia has a list of around 30 players that they would be happy with in a potential trade. And there's internal belief within the franchise that a fair amount of them, about five to 10, would become available in the next year or two. I don't know which part's funnier to me than the fact they have 30 players they would be happy with. So I genuinely want to see this list because I think after the first 10 players, I'm just going to be like, this is ridiculous. Just force him to play at this point. And the stupider part about this is that they're saying that yeah, he could be, they, these players could become available in the next year or two. I'm like, hang on, like you guys plan on keeping Ben Simmons on your roster. We're going to be going through this, even though it's felt like, like what, eight months and forever at this point that we've been talking about Ben Simmons. Like it's, it's getting to a point where we're probably going to be seeing the possibility of Ben Simmons just continue for probably the rest of his career at this point in time. Yo, this shit's so funny, bruh. I like I, I did not know about this report, but like that's one that made my day, bruh. They have 30 players on that list that they were willing to trade for. Like these guys wanted Damian Lillard at one point, bro. Like that's how low the bar has gotten for this team. And I I don't know, are they just gonna keep finding him for missing games? Like, I don't know what their end game is here, bro. Like, it just it does not make any sense to me. And I just it's concerning for the direction of the team, which is fighting for a championship. Like that you don't need all these outside distractions. You know, like, I, yeah, imagine hearing these reports that, like, Joel Embiid or, like, Tobias Harris. Like, it's just very distracting to the team, and it's just, it's just funny, honestly. I think Rohan hit it on the spot. This team is competing for a championship, and when you have Joel Embiid, and I think the Sixers have echoed this full statement as well. We have Joel Embiid on our team, and we want to go all in for a championship, but rather than actually trading Ben Simmons for assets that help the team, we're just going to keep it locked up in our own personal jail and not do anything about it. He's not going to play for our team, but we're not going to get assets back that will also help our team. Like, It's a lose-lose situation for everybody involved for the Sixers for Ben Simmons for the NBA and for us fans like I, I at this point we've reiterated this horse so many different times and it kind of begs the question when Ben Simmons comes back is he going to be the same just because he's been out of professional basketball for so long because the last time we saw him was in the Eastern Conference Finals and the next time we see him could absolutely be more than a year after that maybe even two like Sean just talked about if they're crazy enough to hold him for that long <laughs> That's crazy. Like that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> no, it's it's absurd. But um, I mean, it it is what it is. I think there's there's what is it like three things in this world that are certain: it's death, taxes, and talking about Ben Simmons trade rumors. But another thing that we love doing on this pod is death, taxes, and talking about how amazing Steph Curry is. <laughs> I mean, the dude, the dude is just. I mean, I I we're literally at a loss for words on this podcast guys. Like I don't know what to say about this guy anymore because I genuinely do believe though. I know this sounds crazy to say, but agree to disagree with me. This is the best version of Steph Curry that we're seeing. Um, very, very debatable. I think it's early on in the season, but if he continues this, we can argue that this is a better version of Steph Curry than during his unanimous MVP season. That that just feels weird to be saying that he's the only unanimous MVP in NBA history and he might be playing better than that. 
And after his game against the Nets and after he just completely took over the game against the Cavs last night, I was kind of just, I listed the top 15 players in NBA history that I have on my list. And I said, where does Steph fit here? I, I kind of had him 13, but is it time that we put him in the top 10? Like there are yeah. players, obviously that, you know, you can argue that they're greater than him. They're better than him. Steph might be better. Like, obviously we have MJ, LeBron, Kareem. He's not in their level yet. He needs a few more championships and MVPs to even be considered there. But we have players like Hakeem or Dirk or maybe even like Tim Duncan. And I know it seems like no way Steph is not on their caliber, but the things that he's doing, like we might start having conversations about that. And maybe he's even the best point guard of all time. And these are actual conversations we are having now. Imagine if he wins another MVP, another championship, his first finals MVP. This man is actually like creating history in front of our eyes. And it's just so fun to be a fan of. Yeah, he's better than Dirk, bro. Come on. He's, he's way better than Dirk. But uh, I think I think it's crazy. I, I don't know because I was thinking, you know, that month in April, uh, like what is it now? Six, seven months ago, April 2021, where he went absolutely ballistic for, I'd say, almost a whole month, maybe two, three April weeks. April and May. April yeah, and May. Beginning in May, too. So it was like kind of like a three-week span. I think that was maybe the best we've seen Steph Curry. He started off a little slow to start this year, but he's kind of picking it up again. I think if he's, he's, I think he's MVP favorite right now. I think even betting wise, he's probably the MVP favorite best odds. But I think that um, if he wins another MVP, it's like time to start putting him in the top 10. I think he's easily in my top 15 right now, but is he the greatest point guard of all time? You know, like I think if he gets another championship with this squad, you can put him in the top 10, bro. I, th I really think you can because the way this roster is built, like, it's not a super team anymore. You know, it's like 2014, 2015 Warriors again. And he's leading the charge. You know, him and Draymond Green, the best players on this team right now. But Steph is the offensive engine that, like, keeps this team running. And we've seen it this week of him getting MVP chance in three different arenas, which are not Chase Center. It's absolutely crazy. Like, I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime. And I think it's just absurd that, you know, he's – beat these teams year after year and, and fans come over to see him they don't come to see the home team a lot they're coming to see steph curry because he's the greatest show on earth bro that's just one it's probably the best way to describe him like he's the best show in basketball right now no that's that's absolutely i think i mean nothing nothing you've said is wrong over there which is pretty crazy because like i can't remember honestly just the last time that we could talk about a player in any sport and there's just it's just everyone agrees. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if you genuinely deny the greatness of Stephen Curry, you're literally just a hater or you just don't watch basketball enough to understand what he's doing. I saw this insane stat of the most games with nine plus threes in a season. All right. Steph has nine such games and he's done that twice in his career. He's had nine games in a season where he's done that in two different years. He also owns seven games where he's done that in another season he has he's done that in four games in another season James Harden has done it twice in four games in two other seasons Damian Lillard has done it in four games in another season Steph Curry has four games this month with nine plus threes I'm pretty sure that four games was in the past week and a half as well yeah it was yeah. it it was which is it's it's insane I believe it started at the Hawks game went over to the Bulls was it and then the Nets and now the Cavs so that's four games which is just I mean I I I really don't have any words of anything because like Steph has literally done 
this in the month of November. And that's what only two other players have done in their in an entire season NBA history, which is James Harden, Damian Lillard. Everything else belongs to Steph, which is absolutely absurd. But once again, I think it's clear Stephen Curry, MVP, we know this, we know that, but clearly this team is chasing something bigger and that's a championship. And the Warriors are first in defense and second in offense this season. That was based on statistics as of, I believe it was after Tuesday's game against the Nets. That might be subject to change, but it's since the, the three, it's still the same. I'm it's sure it is. Honestly, honestly, I'm sure it's the same, but since the three-point era, only three other teams have ranked top two in both offensive and defensive rating. That was the 1996 Bulls with Michael Jordan, of course, the 2015 Golden State Warriors, and the 2017 Golden State Warriors. Anything in common over there between those three teams? Just Hall of Famers and the two greatest mm. players of all time. And all three of those teams won championships. Right. So... I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, call it revenge season, call it the dynasty's back, call it whatever you want. This team is up there. They're coming up there. And I know we're going to be talking about the Suns in just, just a second, but we're going to be talking about the Suns in just a second over here. They're, of course, just a game behind the Warriors, but it's, it's really not that close. It's really not that close. I want to ask you guys this question. How many great, not good, great defensive teams does Steph Curry have to play on before we acknowledge that not only is he not a bad defender, he's actually a great defender. When his career started, he was pretty bad. He was a liability on defense. And then he got better where he was kind of a, like a negligent defender, like he was a zero. But this season, if you saw that clip against James Harden where he just clamped him in that Nets game, and sure, there was a clip against him in the Cavs game where Ricky Rubio also snapped his ankles. That happens. But he has played such good defense individually and as part of a team. And obviously, most of that credit goes to Draymond and Andrew Wiggins and Andre Iguodala and the rest of the supporting cast around him. But at some point when Steph Curry's on defensive good defensive team after good defensive team, you have to give him credit for that. And we always, you know, praise him, glorify him for his threes and his offense, deservedly so. But can we like start applying, you know, this kind of hypothetical, but like a two-way title on him? Nah, I'm not there yet, bro. Like I love, <laughs> you know, I love Steph. He's like my favorite fellow all time. Like he's been playing phenomenal defense this year, but like to say that he's a great defensive player is a big stretch. Like I think he holds his own. I don't think he's a bad defender. He's big, he's improved a lot. As a defender, I'd say ever since 2013, 2014, the year that they lost to the Spurs, that was really when I saw him, like, take a step towards becoming a decent defender. Like, James Harden was a terrible defender for years, you know, like, but now I think both of those guys have improved their defensive rating. They've improved their defensive shares. I think it's just more of, like, can he stick with a guy who's, like, a very good, like, like for example, Kyrie Irving. I think that if Steph were to be put on Kyrie, like, it would be a worse matchup than if someone like Clay Thompson was on Kyrie. You know, that's why they always used, used to put Clay on Kyrie for the most part. Like, there's a reason why Steph usually gets cooked by a lot of these people. But to say that he's a bad defender is a stretch. I don't think he's a bad defender anymore, but I'm not ready to go that he's a two-way guy yet. It's like, it's a pretty big statement, Yash. Well, I mean, based on what Yash was just saying, Mark Haynes, a reporter for the Golden State Warriors, he did ask Steph Curry about it, you know, being this great defensive not juggernaut per se, but just a really good defensive player in the league. And Steph Curry said, you know, if you want to start that narrative for me, by all means, go ahead and do it. I will happily do my part to try and make you a profit. So that, that was for Steph on the all defense teams. Yeah. So I mean, 
do I do I think that Steph will make it? It's it's really not out of question. It's really not out of question. When you're playing winning basketball, everything's kind of clicking around you and everyone knows what they're doing on the floor. Like it's it's tough to stop this team. And keep in mind, like, guys, like Clay Thompson's still not back. Like, this is just absolutely absurd. And like I know that we're just we're coming around to the Suns in just a little bit, but what I'm trying to say is that the Suns yet the one ten straight. They're looking hot. They're coming off a finals run. They are only one game behind the Warriors. And yes, they have two two key matchups coming up at the end of November, early December. But it's not that close. Like, and what I mean by this, like, yeah, there's one game difference, but it it's not close in terms of the talent. The talent margin is so like there's a huge difference between these two teams that I. I believe that there might they might split against the Suns, and who knows? Who knows? If the Suns get a higher seed than the Warriors, so be it. Down the stretch, though, in the playoffs, whatever it is, like I genuinely don't see any team in the West right now standing in Golden State's way, which is pretty scary. I agree. As of right now, the way it stands, I think it's pretty clear the Warriors are the best team, not only in the West, but in the league. Obviously, that could change with any given day, any given game. We're going to talk about LeBron in just a second and how the Lakers are going to be getting their best player back in just a few days. And obviously, LeBron James is one of the best players of all time, and he could change the Lakers season in just a snap. But the way it stands right now, I think the Warriors are the team to beat. Stephen A. Smith said that he thinks they're their championship favorites. I love the Warriors, but I'm not ready to crown any championship favorites in November when the championship's in June. But the way they're looking, and we've reiterated this so many times, Clay Thompson is coming back. James Wiseman is coming back. That's 40% of their starting lineup, which is about to enter the fray for this team. And they're both great offense. Oh, Clay Thompson is a great offensive player, and they're both great on defense. So this team can only get better. So I'm very excited to see how the Warriors can roll for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with Yash, but I think like maybe it's like you know the pessimism is in me as a Warriors fan. Like I'm just not ready to crown them as like championship favorites. I, I think I gotta give it until the new year. Like I gotta give like 30, 35 games, and we'll see how they are when Clay comes back too. But they're rolling so far. And like I just want to say, like Draymond Green, you know, he started a podcast. I don't know if you guys saw, like, he was like, Don't let us win a fucking championship, bro. He said, Don't let us win it. Cause if you do, you're gonna be hearing from me forever. Like Draymond, you know, he talks his shit, he's like that, but I think that's the same thing. Like, if the Warriors win another championship, bro, the, the league is going to be an absolute help. It's going to be shambles for the league again because people have spent years hating on the Warriors, hating on their dynasty, and people were so happy when they had that season in, what was it, 2019, 2020, where, you know, we were starting guys like Kai Bowman, Willie Cauley-Stein, bro, like, uh, who else? Glenn Robinson. D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo. Like, it was just an awful time. And, you know, people were like, you know, that's the dynasty. Like, they're done. You know, that's the end of it. But now they're coming back. And I'm telling you, bro, don't let these guys win a championship. It's going to be hell for the league. No, most certainly. And I think the only team that's probably saying, hey, we can take you. Probably most teams in the NBA are obviously thinking that because they think they are in the best team. Unless you are, of course, the Orlando Magic, or the games that Rohan watches. But <laughs> uh, or, the, or Phoenix, the Rockets. Oh, actually, yeah, that is so true. Oh, my God. Houston is looking absolutely ugly, by the way. I was actually looking at something really crazy. They are 1-14. and They're on pace to finish the season 5-77, and which would be the worst single-season record of all time. But Yeah, anyway. the Magic aren't that bad. They got four wins. <laughs> but, true, true, true. But back to, back to the Suns. 
Um, Devin Booker, he's looking like he's getting his stride back now. He's averaging 23 points per game uh, this season. And in the last five games, he's been shooting 42% from the field, averaging 21 points per game, 6.4 rebounds. He looks great. Chris Paul, you know, better than ever, as usual, unless Rohan obviously begs to differ, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, you know, be against that per se. But I mean, Chris Paul looks great. I think that one player, like, correct me if I'm wrong, one player that I just haven't been seeing a whole lot of is DeAndre Ayton. And DeAndre Ayton has obviously had the whole contract situation in the offseason. And I just feel like the Suns are not, yeah, they're, they're not a flashy team. And you don't need to be a flashy team to be a good team. Because again, they've won, they're 10 and 0 in their last 10 games. They look great, but there's something about this team that's lacking to me. And I feel like they're too good to be true at the number two seed. I did pick them to be in, I believe, a little bit below the five seed in my preseason rankings, of course, um, when if the, when the playoffs were shaping up. But I honestly don't know if this team is a contender or a pretender. And I'm I'm gonna blatantly say I know that you know the championship whatever the finals, everything is down the, down the line, uh, April, May, June time for the playoffs. But I'm going to say that this team just looks like a presenter to me right now. I mean, I don't know if they are because like they were the second seed in the league last year and they actually made it to the finals, but we can argue injuries or whatnot, but it's just a very interesting team because, you know, Devin Booker, he's like their star leading the way on offense and Chris Paul, like, He's the great playmaker that they have, but I feel like this season he's been focusing more than he usually does on his individual accolades in terms of like assist numbers and assist record. He's been going for that 12 to 15 assist mark. And sometimes towards the end of the games, you can kind of see him forcing that rather than just having the ball move around, which is kind of not just worrisome, but it's kind of disgusting to watch. I don't, I've never seen Chris Paul as a stat patter, but it seems like that's what he's trying to do. Maybe at the tail end, his tail end of his career, he wants to move up the assist leaderboards and whatever he's trying to do with that. It's, it obviously didn't help the team in the beginning and now it's working. DeAndre Eaton, like Sean was talking about, he's actually not taking a step forward. He's just been very mid. He's still shooting 62% from the field, and it feels weird to say that's mid. But as a center who's just getting a lot of lobs and dunks, that that's where you want to be. But he's only taking 11 shot attempts. In his second season in the NBA, when he got um, suspended for using PEDs, he was taking 14 shot attempts, shooting 58%. So his shot attempts are down. His points are down. His rebounds are right around the same at 11. So I think if the Suns want to take that next leap, it's going to have to come with DeAndre Ayton, who's been their first overall pick. He needs to take a step forward and actually help them kind of move past some of the other elite teams in the West. I mean, Ayton was hurt for six games out of that win streak, you know, with the right leg contusion. So I think he's just kind of coming back into stride. But they really have been, like, doing it without him for the most part. I think that getting that front court depth was a kind of a key move in the offseason. Like, you know, they signed JaVale McGee, who honestly, like, isn't the most – obviously not the best player, but he's good enough to give you some front court production when, you know, guys like Dario Saric and DeAndre Ayton are hurt. Uh, but I think the key for this team right now is defense. They're the second best defensive team, I think, right now behind the Warriors. And so far, they've been gutting out a lot of wins, not based on their offense, but because of their defensive cap- capabilities. And we know how they were, like, in that finals run. Like, they were pretty astounding as a defensive team as well, like, shutting down big offensive names, you know, like the Lakers, you know, like even the Nuggets, like they, they had, a, they had a pretty good run, but I'm kind of wish on on this one. I'm not sure if they're like 
complete title contenders yet, which is absurd to say because they've been on a 10-game win streak. But if they can keep up this defensive, um, you know, defensive prowess, then I think there's a good chance because they're deep, bro. They're they're a very deep team. So I'm not gonna like write them off. You know, I think it's absurd to write them off at this point. I think it's just been so downplayed because of how hot the Warriors team has been. But you know, I, I mean, we haven't yeah. talked about we haven't talked about my guy Chris Paul in a while. You know, he's he's still balling, <laughs> bro. He's still balling. Wow, Rohan not slandering Chris Paul. Hey, I mean, like, hey, he's 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 still an elite playmaker, bro. He's he's a very elite playmaker. And I oh think my that God, this sounds this point, so fake. This is every like, time Rohan full 360. Talks about Chris Paul. Hey, like, no. Guys, like, guys, here's the thing. You know, we record, but obviously we're we're fans like you. We talk about stuff off the pod, and you guys should see the way Rohan talks about Chris Paul off the podcast, too. All right. Like there's a lot of like other language used and things said per hey, se. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. But like when he's when he's when he's dropping assists like this, like I mean, maybe it's that padding. I don't know. It's just like I've seen a couple of players where it's just like, yo, that's like elite playmaking. Well, I mean stat padding, slandering. Are you just hinting at Russell Westbrook right now? Hey, I, I know you're dying to talk about the that's Lakers. The, right now. That's the perfect transition. Dude, what, what a great right, transition. Right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's not and it's not that it's not that I'm I'm wearing a Russell Westbrook OKC you know sweatshirt right now, but sure, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Let's talk about the Lakers. Just how ugly they look right now. Um, this team. Well, Anthony Davis said it best. I really have nothing more to add on how Anthony Davis was saying that. We're playing horrible, basically. That's what he was saying. This is not a championship team. We continue to play this way. We're not going to go anywhere. Um, I, and, and I think that Anthony Davis right now, he's – I don't want to say that he's taking over any kind of leadership role of this team. Don't get me wrong. It's just that LeBron James is out. He's not in these post-game press conferences. I think Anthony Davis realizes in his career, he's like, look, I won a championship over here. I got I to, gotta, like, take charge. You know, I'm the next longest tenured guy basically on this roster. Not to say that he is – the most seasoned veteran per se, because yes, there is a Carmelo Anthony on the roster. Russell Westbrook is there. He's been in far more playoffs, but not, not as successful, not as successful through the years. So I think that right now the Lakers definitely need a wake up call. And if that wake up call is LeBron James coming back to the lineup and telling them literally what to do when he's on the floor too. So be it, you know, that's what this team needs, but we've seen glimpses of Russell Westbrook being Russell Westbrook of putting up these absurd numbers, but it ends in losses. The issue with LeBron James coming back, though, is that Russell Westbrook stats are definitely going to deteriorate. But if that means you guys win games, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm sure NBA fans are all for it because you want the drama and you want LeBron James's team to be good. I mean, if Russell Westbrook's stats deteriorate in the sense that he gets less shots, I think that's better for the Lakers. He's shooting 30% from three on four attempts for some reason. He's shooting 41% from the field. And he has, I think it's an all-time NBA record for turnovers per game. So he is not playing good at all. And LeBron James can do nothing but help this team when he comes back. And something that we talked about quite a bit when the Lakers signed Russell Westbrook and also after some of the free agent signings during the offseason was the worry of three-point shooting, and it's coming true. Besides Carmelo and THT, there, no one is shooting 40% um, from three-point land. Avery Bradley is decent at 38%, but 
like LeBron's shooting 34, Malik Monk is at 32. Our favorite guy, Kent Bazemore, is at 28%. He, we really finessed the Lakers to give him them Kent Bazemore because like they are struggling from three-point land and now the ball isn't moving as much. It clogs the paint for people like Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook who thrive on the inside rather than the outside. And now that LeBron James comes back, he's not a prolific three-point shooter, but he's definitely more respectable than either of the other two are. So maybe that can help, but we all know that three, the big three for the Lakers all thrive on the inside. And if the shooting isn't there, it just makes all of their lives that much harder. Yo, this team leads LeBron, bro. They need him back so badly. Like, I don't even care if he's not the same guy that he was two, three years ago. Like, just having LeBron as your guy on the floor is going to do wonders for this team because they're lost. They have no direction on the team. 12 of their first 15 games were at home, and they've failed to capitalize on it. That's what's really surprising. They've had an easy cakewalk schedule to start this season, and they're still, what, now they're 500? And, you know, like, I don't want to hear another comparison about Anthony Davis being better than Giannis ever again, bro. Like, that conversation was already stomped back in the playoffs, but we need to just shut the door on that. There's no chance this dude is better than Giannis, but it's not even close. You know, people were saying, like, you know, AD, you know, he's still a good defensive player, but the fact that they were saying he's a better player than Giannis, both offensively and defensively, is just straight disrespectful. And, you know, we saw it, what was it? Was it last night or the night before? You know, Giannis is dropping 47, close to a 50 bomb, and AD is struggling from the floor. I think he had, like, 18 points, 17 points, something really terrible. And he he honestly looked lost in that game. And I think that I, I got to say now, I really don't think you can have Anthony Davis. Like, I've, I've, I've clamored for this. I'm like, AD needs to be the best player for this for this team to win. I'm at the point where I'm like, AD cannot be a number one option on a championship team. Am I like crazy for saying that? Can he be a number one option on a championship team? Because he's never been that. He wasn't that in New Orleans. He's not that now. I mean, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see why not just based on what we saw, what he did in his first season with LeBron, you know, alongside LeBron. And it's, there's, I guess but that's what I'm saying. Say he, there's, he wasn't the number one option, though. Like, that's what I'm saying. Can he be the number one option? On that is that is true. That is true. But I genuinely do believe that his I – don't, I don't know how to explain this. It's kind of like I genuinely feel that Russell Westbrook being there is causing these issues. Like floor spacing, all this other type of stuff that's going on. It's because Anthony Davis is not able to, I guess, get the ball fed to him as much perhaps. Um, there's just a lot of other things going on, but I mean, based on also what you were saying about, you know, Giannis and Anthony Davis, by no means do I think they're remotely close, but I just found this hilarious that Giannis has hit as many threes in the last three games as Anthony Davis has all season long, which is six. Yo, he's been like, what, like a 20% three point shooter to start the year. It's, it's been absurd mm-hmm. for 80. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like he, 19%. Yep. Like yeah. he needs, he needs to either stop shooting. Just, I, I've, clamor for this bro like he needs to be a dominant force in the paint as the five right like he cannot be i mean i know frank vogel has pushed the lineup to where he's playing more minutes at the five but there needs to be no minutes of him playing at the four because it just clogs up the spacing for the team especially when you have russell westbrook you know like a clanker from three at point guard like it's just it's not going to work out for the team if, if that keeps happening no most certainly and i think that something to note with the lakers though is that tht is back and he's looked he's looked pretty good in his in his first three games of the season, averaging twenty three point three points per game, seven point three rebounds per game, and his shooting splits are forty nine forty and hundred. So he's he's been looking really really good so far. I honestly don't know 
kind of like where, where the Lakers would be going on from here on out. I'm still not concerned just because of the amount of talent they have on this roster. But before we do kind of like, you know, wrap everything up over here, I just do want to say that if we have to pick a dark horse in the West right now, I was talking to Yash before the podcast over here. Like, I'm going to say, OKC looks good. All right. A dark OKC horse literally for what? Dark horse is just to make the playoffs. I think that it's a stretch to say that they'll make the playoffs. All right. The no. thing is, the thing is, okay, look, the bubble season two, what did we have? Like, like less than a 1% chance, right? To make the playoffs. With Chris you guys Paul also had Chris Paul, though. You don't have yeah, Chris Paul. Yeah, I know, but I, I think that we have a lot of depth on the roster. You're telling us that we can't, like, OKC cannot be the 10th? Yeah, you can be I the think, 10th. I think they can, I can think they can stick into the play. I mean, Lou Dort has been phenomenal. SGA obviously has been phenomenal, too, for the most part. You just part. need a play in, dude. But just like, a play in. We're five and two in the last seven games. I think I don't know. It's just it's just very early for me to be like they're better than teams like the Timberwolves or the Kings. I mean, they might be better than the Kings, but I think I think the Timberwolves are are an actual better team than them. But just because I could see that they have the roster, you know, it's just I could see that now definitely. I mean, for sure. Honestly, though, it's 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 a bit of a stretch, but I'm just saying. I mean, they they look good. They have the depth. Shea, hey, Shea's looking nice too. So I'm rooting for you, bro. I'm rooting for you guys. Like I think I, I like the young talent on the team. So we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully. But, Before we wrap it up, I have a question yeah. for you guys. Mm-hmm. Is Draymond Green an all-star this year? Why do we have these random <laughs> questions at the end of the podcast? Like, we should be discussing I, I, this, all right? Like, No, I just it, – it's a thought that came to me. You know, he's played so great. Should he be an all-star this year? I think 100%. Right now, he's the best defensive player in the league. By far. I think he's – he can guard one through five, bro. Like, I think it's just – and his offense has improved this year, too. I think it's, it's absurd not to put him in the all-star conference right now. Yes, but you have to think about it. Do fans realize that when they vote for him? Well, Warrior fans will. I think Fair. if you watch Warrior enough basketball, will. like, the Warriors are on a lot of primetime games. I think if you watch enough basketball, you'll know the impact that Draymond Green has. Like, he's had it for years, but especially this year, I think it's just come to a new level. That's true. I mean, Draymond Green's like one of those guys that like it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but you can't you can't replace a talent like his in terms of like, you know, just the leadership role that he entails and everything of that sort. But if he was to make the all-star, like he he, I mean, like by no means is he going to be a starter, but I still do believe that it is going to be a stretch for him to make it over there. But if he does, it's it's really just gonna be like a fan favorite type vote. Yeah, who's gonna and make- not Who's gonna make it over him though? Like at power forward, like I mean, he's he... the he's the best defender on the best defensive team in the league. So I think the Warriors, mm. if they stay the best team in the league, they should definitely deserve two All Stars, and it can't be anyone except for Draymond. Yeah, that is Jordan true. Poole in the All Star game. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you, like just just as a basketball fan, I, w- I would totally vote Clay Thompson All Star game just 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 for the <laughs> just for the sake of it. I mean, just for the sake of it, like if honestly, Clay like, gets I mean, voted into the All Star game. That's I would love pure that. memes. I would love I that would too. Love that, like, dude, that's I mean, not maybe... fair. That's not fair to the people that actually deserve an all-star vote. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yo, do, you guys, do you guys remember when uh, Zaza made it, bro? That was a crazy He didn't make it. He almost made it. He, or he was like, he, he, at one point, he was top four in voting. It was crazy. It was yeah, like, and fan oh, voting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah that was that was <laughs> The entire mean. country of Georgia voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But, you know, always, always a pleasure having you both on this podcast love love it every week we we know we can always count on ben simmons rumors and steph curry going off on this podcast so that's what i love about the nba i guess those are two things that are always predictable other than that you know long season ahead big big month ahead to you know thanksgiving 
well, not Thanksgiving games, but Christmas games, kind of like it's almost that season, guys. It's almost that season, you know, like when Starbucks got the holiday cups going around. That's when we know Chris is around the corner and everything's all good. We're all back home and everything's good. But that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at thefanalist.pod. Sean Ramachandran signing off with Yash Yoshi and Rohan Niranjan. <laughs>